Welcome everybody. My name is Alexander Greb. I am the Custom Advisor Lead SAP S4HANA Strategy at SAP and you are listening to the SAP Experts Podcast. Of course, it is idle talk to discuss which line of business took the most direct hits during the Corona outbreak. But if you would, chances are supply chains would be a hot contender for the lead. When demand volatility for goods and services met constraint capacity in manufacturing and logistics, something happened a lot of people know only of because of stories their grandparents told them. Uncertain supply of critical materials and goods. I had the insightful pleasure to have Mr. Martin Barkman, Senior Vice President and Global Head of Solution Management Digital Supply Chain at SAP, as guest for the deep dive covering supply chain management in our series How to Build Crisis Resilience and Win in the Recovery, in which we not only talk about the impact of COVID-19 disruption on supply chains, but what capabilities are needed now in the shock phase and tomorrow's tactics and future strategies for supply chains that are ready not only for the new normal, but better prepared for whatever may lie in front of us. All of that on this episode of the SAP Experts Podcast. Good afternoon, Martin. Hello, Alexander. How are you? I'm fine. I hope you too. How have the last six weeks been for you, personally and professionally? Well, thanks for asking. Um, personally, I think we are, uh, as, a, as a nuclear and, inst- and extended family, doing quite okay. Uh, we've been fortunate in that everybody is is healthy and adjusting to this new uh, to this new digital world. Um, it's been an adjustment, not just for me, but for everyone in the family, even our do- two dogs, which you may hear here in the background throughout today's session. This crisis is generally divided by experts in two phases, the shock and the recovery. At the moment, we may be in some aspects be still in the shock phase and in other aspects, we maybe already started with recovery, but let's start with that shock phase. In the last weeks, many consumers who are in my generation, not really used to shortages at all. They are used to get anything at any time at any place, basically. They're, for the first time in their lives, experienced supply chain disruption when they were standing in front of empty shelf, which used to contain toilet paper, flour and yeast and all that stuff. From a less subjective point of view, as a professional, what would you put together? What were the global impacts of COVID-19 disruptions on supply chain? Well, I think what's interesting about this particular um, COVID-19 situation is it's literally impacting every part of pretty much everyone's lives all over the world at the same time. It it is the most global event or thing that I think I've ever experienced in in my lifetime. It's interesting. It's actually caused me to, uh, to have discussions with you know, my parents and my mother shared with me that my uh, great-grandmother died in 1918 during the fl- first flu pandemic. And, and I did not really know that, I don't think. I knew okay. she died young. The Spanish uh, flu. The Spanish flu. That's exactly right. So so what's, what I think we're experiencing now is, is 
a realization that we have to really think about what's important. Um, certainly, personal health and the well-being of us and our, our our neighbors is important. But soon thereafter, are things like uh, food, and uh, and it's not just we have to think about food differently. We also have to think about well, what is it about food? that's really, really important. Do I need quantity or do I need endless variety? Uh, do I need things that are prepackaged and ready to go or is now an opportunity to you know, save money and actually uh, make from scratch certain products? I saw a study recently in the United States and it looked, like, looked at which product had seen huge spikes in demand and one is actually uh, bread machines. So home bread making machines saw something like a 600% increase in demand in the US compared to a year ago. So to your point, flour and yeast is running out because people are baking more bread, which I think in and of itself is a wonderful thing. If we, we put this together, there's of course this psychological aspect where people I do not want to say panic, but um, people feel urged to buy more of certain things. And by this, even let's say small variables bring uh, supply chains um, in, in um, bullwhip effects and something like this. Um, what do you think are the vulnerabilities or the weaknesses which were uncovered by COVID? What yeah. are the, let's say, points of supply chains that are now under heavy pressure, which were always there, but probably did not really be, did not really matter that much, but, but now are very obvious. Right. Well, it's interesting. I think the, the, the theme uh, regarding supply chain that has emerged now is, is everyone is recognizing that supply chains need to be resilient and be able to withstand shocks. And we've certainly seen supply chain shocks before, whether it was due to uh, unexpected uh, rises in commodity prices or uh, natural disasters in certain parts of the world. I think, again, what's unique about COVID is all of these things are happening simultaneously. So suddenly, if you operate a supply chain, in many cases, you face real uncertainty about whether you can get the critical supplies and raw materials and components to even make what it is that you aspire to make. Uh, at the same time, you're seeing unprecedented volatility. In some cases, certain products are spiking in demand. In other cases, they are dropping significantly or they're changing week over week. I mean, we all know about toilet paper. There's no doubt that a month ago, six weeks ago, it was very difficult to find toilet paper on the shelves because the consumer was in some ways overbuying and overreacting. And then you have uncertainty in capacity. Some parts of uh, the world face government mandated shutdowns of certain manufacturing locations. In other cases, you can't operate your manufacturing location even if you want to because of the either risk of or actual employee to employee infections that have, uh, that have occurred. And so when you see all of these um, happening at the same time, it's really stress testing the resilience of a supply chain. And you use the term oversteering or bullwhipped. Actually, that's not just consumers that are doing it. It's very tempting as a business to see some of these and 
trends and say, okay, now we need to buy way more raw material than we need, or we need to overproduce in case this trend of, of demand is continuing. So that oversteering can, can cause a lot of problems within the supply chain as well. So I think what's really in some ways interesting is for, for the first time in quite some time, all of these areas of risks are, are threatening supply chains at the same time globally. So when you say about the overreacting point, um, I talked lately to my uh, grocery store manager, um, of course, masked, wearing a mask. Um, he told me that a lot of 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 the the problems that they have getting certain things like what we call these basis materials for example flour and yeast mm -hmm. are let's say the toilet paper is more something of a high demand on consumer side while the flour and the yeast shows the same effect but on let's say um, commercial side that for yeah. the big producers of food yeah they also now react the same way like consumers are doing oversteering the same way and say okay um i have no no clue what is really happening with my supply i probably may run out of it so so i re react similar and and then um, put, put well, my stocks and, high on the one hand we might be seeing some oversteering but i also think that Uh, consumer product companies are now having to adapt and change. And let me give some examples, right? So certainly um, we've seen over the past many years, the emergence of consumers that want products very much so. They want exactly what's right for them, delivered in, a, in the right flavors, in the right packaging, in the right quantities. And, and as a result, there's been a proliferation of SKUs. You know, typical grocery stores have tens of thousands, sometimes uh, of SKUs on the shelves. And uh, what's happening now is consumer product companies are rethinking some of that. They're saying, you know what, we need to make sure we can feed and take care of our consumers. Let's keep the plants running and let's avoid the downtime from doing a changeover from one product to another. Uh, let's run our high volume SKUs and just keep the production lines running because that's where we see demand. So they're rethinking that a little bit and offering perhaps different assortments. Um, similarly, we're also seeing uh, shifts in demand. I mean, there's no doubt that people are eating at home more often versus, let's say, restaurants, at least for the time being. And so more product has to be shipped to those distributors that serve uh, the direct-to-consumer or grocery retail chains versus, let's say, the restaurant chains. But of course, that's going to be a dynamic picture because many restaurants figured out that, you know what, we can actually have a business by offering the food to go or in a takeout fashion. So these are, are continuously evolving uh, situations. The demand picture is evolving. And so consumer product companies now more than ever have to really look at those trends and adapt and adjust. That's not to say that some oversteering doesn't happen, but there is something fundamentally different about the way products now are flowing to the end consumer than before. Well, since, since companies 
who are acting in supply chains basically earn their money by keeping this fine balance between demand and supply. And since both of these, let's say, needles are at the moment completely out of hand, um, didn't we see something similar, for example, or do we have cases where we can look back a bit, like, for example, in 2008 in the financial crisis, or, for example, when we had the earthquake in Japan with the Fukushima topic, when lots of the um, automotive OEMs suddenly had problems to produce because most of the displays for the navigational systems came from around the area of Fukushima. Yeah. Are these or have these been, let's say, small prototypes for the crisis we are in now were the things that we learned there but also what we could have learned to cope better like this or is this where you say like okay this is so unique um, there is no being better preparedness than we see at the moment yeah you know it's 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 tough to say you know necessarily that it that it's unique or not unique I think these are certainly points that not only can be debated now, but will be studied for years to come. The financial crisis in 2008, you know, that, that was a, a Wall Street crisis that threatened Main Street. I think in this case, I view the COVID crisis as a Main Street issue that is threatening Wall Street. And what do I mean by that? I mean, the credit crunch that we saw that what was happening in the banking sector in 2008 Uh, had to be prevented so that consumer credit would not freeze up. Because had consumer credit frozen up, then certainly small businesses and even individual people would have a tough time buying the things that they want. I think this time around, what we face is a fundamental reduction across the board in economic activity and demand for basic products. I mean, if we just look individually, right, my credit card bill, this past month was at an all-time record low uh, because we just haven't been shopping, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, that, that is something that, of course, will be kick-started again. So I think in that sense, supply chains are, are, are affected in, in much different ways. What's interesting about the, the Fukushima disasters and others is, you know, those were shocks. But the fundamental belief that we should have global supply chains, that we should, you know, make things uh, in, in a few locations at very, very competitive prices and then ship them and connect the world. What's happening now is some of those assumptions, some of those theories are being at least questioned. Uh, do I think it's going to change overnight? Absolutely not. But companies are now saying, okay, is it wise to only have my manufacturing occur in one location? Is it wise to uh, be dependent on just one raw material and component? Or do I need the ability to, to move and shift, maybe even swap out raw materials one for the other? So I think a lot of very, very um, profound questions are going to be asked now, perhaps in ways that they haven't been asked before. Uh, when these one-off events, these one-off shocks to the systems came came to uh, to be, I mean, the other big question is: Will you know after these natural disasters, the core composition of consumers in large part remain the same and intact? 
the big question now is what consumer behaviors, what consumer wants and needs may actually change for quite some time as a result of this pandemic. I mean, obviously the travel industry, will we return? And if so, by when will we return to pre-COVID travel levels? Uh, what about our, our general habits in, in terms of how we, how we buy clothing, how we buy materials? Um, could this pandemic result in injecting more momentum behind initiatives like the circular economy where we say, you know what, instead of making everything from scratch, can we reuse what we've had, what we've uh, consumed or enjoyed and hence be less dependent upon the entire supply chain because we basically reuse uh, pieces such that portions of the supply chains are not as, uh, as critical. So I think a lot of interesting questions are going to get asked. When I listen to my customers at the moment and their plans of the future, um, you basically get two different kind of answers. Some say probably virtual integration will come back. They People want to include more and more levels of their supply chain back again in their reach. Others, though, say... Um, it is absolutely fine. We need that globalization. We need that variety. But what we need is to gain more transparency about what's happening, more transparency about our network and so on, which could be, yeah. of course, um, be a big up for digitalization also. Do you think it's one of, of, of those two or could it be like there is a both of those things happening? No. Yeah, look, I... I I think the questions will be asked um, and the answers might differ by industry, um, by type of company, uh, but I do think the questions will be asked. What's interesting is seeing you know, which companies are more easily able to adjust given this pandemic. And, and there are some common themes that we see. Uh, one is, companies that have embraced the notion that supply chains are actually networks, right? So they're not just linear sequential activities that happen within the four walls of an organization, but extended uh, supply chains actually extend in the networks outside of the four walls of the organization, right? The way you even procure raw materials can be done through a network. The way you, augment your capacity can be done through networks of contract manufacturers. The way you source uh, transportation can be done uh, through a network and not necessarily just through your own transportation fleets or one-on-one -on -one relationships with, with transportation providers. The way you manage and service the assets in your supply chain can be done in a more networked way where information specifications and maintenance protocols are more easily shared. Um, so I think the emergence of, of, of networks and being able to have visibility, not just within your company, but across those networks has enabled companies to more easily uh, flex, adjust and adapt their supply chain. I think the second big trend is just around automation. Companies that have and are investing in industrial scale automation, everything from, from sensors to robotics um, that's augmented by 
could be artificial reality, could be artificial intelligence, machine learning, basically all the buzzwords. Um, but when you combine that, you have the ability to operate supply chains more autonomously with fewer people standing shoulder to shoulder and infecting each other. I mean, it, it is very scary and sad to hear the stories coming out of the, the meat processing industry. And I mean, I think, you know, meat processing people stand literally next to each other as, as the, um, yeah. the products are, are packaged. We're seeing huge infection rates in, in those types of, of manufacturing environments. So the more automated a company has been, sometimes we hear that described as industry 4.0, which is a whole movement in and of itself. That has led to the ability to, to do more with the supply chain, even uh, in, in this kind of pandemic uh, situation. If you take, I mean, I talked about sustainability as a concept already. I think what we're seeing is, is companies that think about the supply chain more holistically in terms of the resources it consumes or not consumes, those are supply chains that are able to do more with less and hence survive better in periods where there might be shortages. And then I think the final topic is just, you, you know, in, in, in order to ultimately meet this new demand or this different demand that we're seeing, companies that are able to bring together and arrive at the best possible plan for how to meet uh, demand with the supply and capacity you have and are able to iterate on that and update it and fine tune it and run scenarios and analyze it. The companies that have that kind of digital environment to accomplish that tend to also be very, very effective at, at rethinking how products should flow through the, uh, through the whole, through the whole operation and supply chain. So we're seeing companies uh, some do better than others, often because of investments and ongoing activities in, in those four areas. So um, when we also add, for example, closing the experience gap um, to getting a better view of how this normal or this new normal looks like, Basically, these aren't very different topics, what we're talking about now, what we would have talked like three months ago before the mm -hmm. crisis when we would have talked about best-in-class supply chains. So yep. are these capabilities that we, we need now in, let's say, the shock phase or that we need now in the recovery phase, basically still the same like that were relevant before and will be relevant after? Is this let's say it's, this crisis may be a help for us to remember about or to refeel about what the important things and what the relevant and important aspects are? Yeah, so, I mean, in the end, uh, the, the, the consumer or customer is queen and king, right? And uh, understanding the hearts and minds of the consumers, as well as other stakeholders, by the way, could be employees, could be the the broader community could be shareholders. But understanding those needs and delivering an experience uh, that meets those needs and understands how those needs are changing and you know, to be able to segment your demand into different types of people that they themselves have different needs 
you know, those are business principles that I think are, are time tested. And I don't expect any of that to change uh, given this type of pandemic. If anything, it's going to continue to be even more important for several reasons. One is what you thought was the case, what you thought about your consumer preferences might change and might evolve. So now more than ever, you need to understand uh, those changes. And I think the second thing is you can't deliver a good customer experience or a good consumer experience without a supply chain that can back it up, right? So if, if you buy something that arrives broken, you're not happy, or it arrives late, you are not happy. Or if after a while it needs to be serviced and it can't be serviced, you are not happy. And these are not just you know, business to consumer type of scenarios. The same is true if you're a company, right? If you're operating a business, you will remember the relationships that, uh, that you had with the suppliers when you were um, you know, operating in a time of, of, of stress. So we believe that supply chains now more than ever are critical to delivering uh, the experience, uh, meeting the, the desires of your customers. As, as important as it's ever been. So when we put this together as a conclusion, um, probably a lot of work will lie ahead of you and us because the demand will be high to do those things that uh, we already started, um, bring up to a new level, new level of excellence and um, being better prepared for anything that will come in the future because we, we learned that we are so connected to each other now um, mm -hmm. that this of course could be happen in any time or something similar which will bring us in similar situations yeah yeah i mean when when we work with companies we we often have discussions uh on three horizons i mean the first one is what capabilities often digital capabilities but what capabilities do you need right now that basically can allow you to be successful tomorrow and next week and the week after that. Um, and, and, and there's a lot that companies can, can do and, and we're very fortunate to, to be in a position where we can help. The second horizon is, okay, in this world, in this new normal, you know, how do we manage through the crisis? And we don't know really the, the extent of the trough and the width of the trough of the, of the economic impact. We don't. And there are actually some pretty good models out there and forecasts, but we don't know ultimately the effect on, on the economy and how that's going to vary. But nevertheless, we do know that there are certain must-have or very, very helpful capabilities um, that, that can be turned on or activated or implemented that will help a company Uh, managed through through that change, and then I think the third horizon of discussion is, well, what do we what do we still believe very much is true? You know, in coming out of this, how can we become more digital and more customer centric? How can we really think about business networks and productivity? How can we capitalize on and, and bring more momentum behind sustainability and You know, the supply chain leaders with whom we speak affirm that those four priorities are still very, very important. Um, they might be looked at through the COVID lens, but they do 
directionally take companies where they where they want to go. So I think those three horizons are are the discussions that we often find ourselves in, um, and, uh, and 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 they offer sort of at least I wanted to share a little bit of insight into uh, you know how how supply chain leaders are thinking about the future. You absolutely excelled in that. Um, thank you very much. When our listeners want to follow you and to get more information about you, what you said and, and, and um, what you and the DC organization is doing, where is this the best to, to connect with you and to get this kind of information? Yeah, certainly. Um, I mean, I can be found on LinkedIn, so I would welcome you to follow me there. Uh, we also, um, on sap.com, uh, have uh, information on our SAP digital supply chain uh, product. So there's a whole section underneath the product tab where you can drill in and learn a lot more about what we're doing in, uh, in digital supply chain. And we will be very much part of the, uh, the agenda of the Sapphire, Sapphire Now uh, event and all the broadcasts that are gonna come, come from Sapphire or as part of Sapphire Now here in the month of May and into June and beyond. So we would invite, uh, I would like to personally invite any and all of those of you who are listening uh, to tune into that and uh, enjoy those uh, enjoy those broadcasts. Martin, thank you very much. This was very insightful. It was great to have you. Thank you to be part of it. And um, I wish you, of course, very well being for the next weeks. Um, stay healthy. Stay well. Thank you. Thank you, Alexander. Same to you. Bye. Bye-bye.